This episode of the Amplifying Scientific Innovation Podcast is sponsored by Nanoform. Small is powerful. Hello and welcome to the Amplifying Scientific Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Onoyer, founder and CEO of the Sophia Consulting Firm, a life science marketing and communications consultancy that was established in New York City with the goal of amplifying scientific innovation. The goal of this podcast is to showcase scientific innovations stemming from global life science companies through conversations with senior leaders who share their unique leadership journey, corporate vision, and industry outlook. My guest today is Mr. Christian Jones, Chief Commercial Officer of Nanoform, an innovative nanoparticle medicine enabling company. Nanoform works together with pharma and biotech partners globally to reduce clinical attrition and enhance the molecules formulation performance through its best-in-class nanonization services. Christian is a seasoned commercial professional in the pharmaceutical and biotech space with an established and successful track record of high-value deals with global experience. He started his career as a process chemist at GlaxoSmithKline GSK almost 20 years ago and quickly rose to prominence as a senior commercial leader through diverse experiences in leading life science companies such as Dr. Reddy's and Johnson Matthey. Christian's specialties range from particle engineering and crystallization science to pharmaceutical business development, sales and licensing across Europe, North America, and Asia Pacific markets. Christian holds a Master of Chemistry degree from the University of Leeds and is a fellow of the Royal Society of Chemistry. I connected with Christian last year at the CNS Summit and was blown away by his intelligence and commitment to advancing the growing field of nanotechnology. Moreover, as a medicinal chemist and small business owner, I absolutely love Nanoform's tagline, small is powerful. Welcome to the show, Christian. Thank you very much, Sophia. It's a pleasure to be on here and um, uh, it's great to talk to you. So I usually start with my favorite question, which is, what is your definition of scientific innovation? You know, for me, scientific innovation um, is it's wonderful to have, you know, new ideas um, to come up with things that are innovative um, or inventive, shall we say. But the real value comes from when you can actually take those ideas forward commercially um, and mm. actually generate value out of them. Um, so for me, science as a as as a subject is all about um, understanding and exploring um, and we're constantly trying to push the boundaries of what we understand to discover you know new ideas new concepts new ways of doing things that either make our lives easier um, make help us become more efficient or really have some breakthroughs um, in terms of the way that we live um, and 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 behave and i think when it comes to pharmaceutical um, development we've had some fantastic um, discoveries you know we've we've created some blockbuster drugs some some uh, really uh, shall we say valuable products that that can really change people's lives and you know help them to live longer help them to live better lives um, but when it comes to innovation 
innovation tends to come um, from an idea and you know to generate ideas I think within any company you have to have um, creative minds that are involved in in the pursuit of of, of innovation um, but it's not necessarily those same creative minds that will take that innovation forward to the marketplace mm -hmm. so I think it's important to be able to foster innovation within any, any organization to nurture that innovation and to allow those creative minds to be able to go away and to develop new ideas. But I think it's also important to have um, other people that have other skill sets within those organizations to help to push those ideas forward, to help to drive them to the marketplace, because that requires a different skill set in terms of perseverance and commercial understanding of how you can generate value um, from those ideas. And I think. Um, Perseverance is um, is a key uh, within this uh, within this area, and uh, Sir James Black was quoted to have said um, to Safi Bakal from Loonshots, the author of Loonshots, you know, a drug isn't successful unless it's been killed three times. Mm. That's the stark and depressing reality of um, of the environment that we live in. Um, obviously, there's checks and cross checks in terms from a regulatory perspective, you know, but we also have you know colleagues, co-workers, friends who may not agree with um, ideas that are necessarily um, a loon shot, shall we say, mm -hmm. or you know, something that comes out of the blue. Um, and so I think, you know, it's that perseverance and being willing to push those ideas forward that often makes innovation successful. And if you can combine um, perseverance with great technology and, you know, novel um, ideas together with commercial innovation. I think that's a, a strong recipe for success. Extremely well said. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, one of the things I appreciate about this platform is um, it's an opportunity to educate the public just about how difficult it is to bring a new therapy to the market. And so I'm glad that you mentioned perseverance because to me, that is the key ingredient. Without that, I don't think we'll be successful. Don't you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. It's very, very important. Yeah, and right. it's very hard, I think, to um, to to push some of these ideas forward. Um, and and you know, I've I've been in organisations uh, previous. So I've had experience where you have a great idea, and then there's so many stakeholders that need to get involved to be able to pursue that idea. That you know, after some time, the 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 will for that idea sort of right. dissipates. Right. So I, um, We'll come on to that later and, and why sometimes being agile, being able to make decisions quickly can help uh, with pushing uh, innovation forward. Great. Well, thank you for that great intro. So my second question, you've done quite a lot. I'm quite proud of you personally. Um, and, and one of the key things to me is just the fact that you have experience across multiple markets, you know, and I think it gives you a unique perspective. So. I've been told that this question sometimes feels like picking your favorite child, but I'm curious to know, what is the most impactful achievement that you think you've had to date that probably contributed the most to the man that you are today? Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I think I, I, I took a, um, a decision early on in my career um, to move away from the bench, um, to move away from the lab. 
Um, and I, I think that was uh, fundamentally uh, changed my direction uh, from, a, from a career perspective. And it was the right thing to have done for me. Um, you know, whilst I am fascinated by science and whilst I, you know, enjoyed uh, doing chemistry, uh, you know, at the at the lab and, and discovering new drugs or helping to discover new drugs. Um, for me, I'm a people person as well. So, you know, there was a certain skill set that I was um, not fulfilling just by talking to one colleague, one side of me and one colleague, the other. And um, but actually being able to talk to clients or talk to people about chemistry, talk to them about um, drug development, find ways that I can help solve their problems um, has been, I say, one of the, the things that I get the most enjoyment out of. Um, and I think it's um, one of the things that I uh, am most pleased I took that decision uh, at an early stage and I've continued um, to pursue uh, that within my career. Uh, I think from a, from a, that's from a maybe professional perspective, from a scientific perspective, I would say I love being able to sell, um, you know, uh, technology um, or ideas again to a partner um, if I think that we can help solve their problem um, but what I love more is actually it's one thing selling it's another mm -hmm. thing delivering mm -hmm. and being able to see those those solutions in real time see how they're impacting the partner but also ultimately how they may impact the patient um, and I think you know one of the things a lot of technology companies and uh, commercial organizations can get caught up in is, you know, is, is, is the value of their technology delivers on an annual basis or mm -hmm. you know, sales that they bring in. And they can sometimes lose focus on actually why are we doing this? And the whole reason I moved into pharmaceuticals and even into chemistry in the beginning was to help make patients' lives better. So whether I'm doing it at the bench or now right. in a commercial role, hopefully that can uh, can have uh, impact to patients in the long term. Right. I, I completely agree with you once again. I think as a chemist myself, I also realize I'm a people person. And once you have that self-discovery, it's like you unleash this sort of person that you are supposed to be. I believe that we have these experiences to help to elevate who we are. And, and now that we've covered some of the basics, I want to learn more about this company that has this beautiful tagline, Small is Powerful. What inspired you to join Nanobomb? So if I was to summarize it in a few words, um, it would be the technology, number mm -hmm. one, um, very closely followed by the people, uh, um, and then followed by ambition. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I'd focus a bit more on uh, some of the individuals. I think, you know, technology, as we said before, it's great to have a good technology, um, but very many technologies can, um, shall we say, not succeed in, in, in going to market. Um, I saw a, a fantastic opportunity with Nanoform's technology to address a gap in the market um, to solve solubility and bioavailability challenges through the use of particle engineering in the nanoscale. But over and above that, you know, um, the ambition of the company was so great. I thought, wow, you know, I've been in companies before that have been ambitious, um, but I've never been in anything um, like this. And this would be fantastic to use my experience that I've gained 
um, over the years in, in commercial roles, but also my early experience that I had in particle engineering and helping to establish a, a company uh, called Prosonics back in Oxford. Um, and I could take some of that learning and experience and apply it to Nanoform. Um, but I think um, there's two individuals that um, that I met along that journey, and uh, and that's Edward Hegstrom, Professor Edward Hegstrom, um, who's the CEO of Nanoform, mm -hmm. and his brother Albert Hegstrom, who's the CFO. Now, you know, Edward is a professor in uh, physics. He's been at Harvard. He's been at Stanford. He's been a PI at CERN. Um, uh, very very smart. Uh, bright, intelligent um, gentleman, and his brother Albert, um, on the finance side, um, has this fantastic network within um, investment banking. He's been in um, various different uh, global organisations at senior levels, and it's so rare to find that combination of individuals within a company, not least brothers, you know, that can cross-check each other and make sure mm. that they're, you know, driving along the same path. I thought that's actually a very unusual thing to see in a company with a novel technology. And I just felt it was a recipe um, for success. And it has proved to be um, uh, you know, very advantageous uh, to Nanoform because you have to be able to sell a message. You have to mm -hmm. not only talk about the value that a technology can have to your pharmaceutical partners, you have to be able to talk about that same value to investors. Mm -hmm. you know? You have to be able to um, explain it in a way that the investment community understands and can appreciate. So having people with the right networks and, and um, connections and experience, I think, has really helped uh, help Nanoform uh, to, to succeed. Great. So technology, people and ambition. That's what inspired you to join Nanoform. Great. Yeah. Um, so my next question is, uh, can you provide us with a, a top line overview of ongoing work um, at Nanoform, whether that's, you know, of course, in immunotherapy or, or COVID-19 or even outside of that, it would be great to learn a little bit more about the company. Of course. Um, so, you know, it's more important than ever as, as an industry that we increase efficiency um, in pharmaceutical development and I think in the light of um, COVID-19 um, to make effective therapies there are some great uh, work some great work that's going on globally um, and nanotechnology is, is is playing a role in that for sure um, but alongside this it's vital that we remember um, the need for novel treatments for mm -hmm. as yet uncurable diseases um, mm -hmm. uh, such as Al Alzheimer's for example mm -hmm. that have gone away um, you know, COVID is here and it needs to be addressed, but at the same time, we still need to keep a focus on those um, those those disease areas that that, that are as yet um, untreated. And if you look at the industry as a whole, we spend approximately 180 billion dollars a year, mm -hmm. and we put approximately 50 products into the U.S. market each year. Mm -hmm. And when you compare that to other industries that spend a tenth of that but put thousands of products into the market. Mm -hmm. It's, again, makes you, makes you stop and think. And, you know, there's many reasons why we're not as efficient as we could be. Mm -hmm. um, a whole plethora of different areas, you know, regulatory, clinical, um, the way that we commercialize um, products. 
um, you know, safety is ultimately has to be established and, and efficacy has to be established and product um, commercialization has to be established um, to make these products successful. But at the same time, there's a lot of opportunities to improve that rate of efficiency. And that's what Nanoform is trying to address um, is can we take forward more drugs into preclinical and clinical development that otherwise wouldn't be possible by using nanoparticles, by um, addressing one of the biggest rates of failure, which is right at the start of um, the drug development process, which is the solubility and the bioavailability of drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as, as drug molecules have become more complex because the drug discovery engine, shall we say, has focused on the small molecules, the really small molecules, and used up a lot of these entities, we're now left with developing uh, products in the small molecule space that are more and more complex and they have brick dust like properties. So they just won't absorb very well into the body. Um, and a lot of those great molecules could be sat on the shelf right. or they could just be discarded because mm -hmm. of their chemical properties. So Nanoform's mission is let's see if we can uh, revisit some of those compounds. Let's see if there are molecules in development with our partners that we can help to take them forward into clinical development and reduce that first phase of clinical attrition or, or preclinical attrition um, mm -hmm. and maybe double the number of compounds that go into clinical development. And then if you supply, if you apply the same rules of clinical attrition, mm -hmm. if you've taken that impact there, you should effectively be able to have a major impact on the number that can go to market. And of course, we don't just work in the early stages, we also work in the late stages, looking at life cycle management, drug mm -hmm. repurposing, can we make safer medications mm -hmm. using smaller particles by reducing dosage, maybe even enabling pediatric formulations. Mm. There's, um, these are just some ideas and of course you know we talked about Alzheimer's a second ago um, there's lots of really exciting opportunities to use nanoparticles for drug delivery so aside from the solubility in pharmacokinetic mm -hmm. um, area can we actually enable novel delivery of, um, of drugs maybe take something that used to be a tablet you can take it intranasally maybe you could take something that might um, have been an injectable and make a transdermal patch. Um, maybe there's lots of other ways that we can improve the existing products that we have or find new indications or new ways of delivering them. Very well said. Uh, I think that improving efficiencies, right, reducing the inefficiencies in the drug development process across all stages, early stage, late stage, it's, it's really critical to advancing scientific innovation in the industry at large. So um, I would agree with you very much so about what Nanopharm is doing. And I think that people need to understand a lot more about what nanotechnology can, can bring to the table. So having said that, what is your vision for, for Nanopharm? You, you're in a very important role in the company. And I think your vision is very important to advancing what this company can actually achieve in the next 10, 20 years or so. So I said, um, I think a couple of questions ago that, you know, one of the things that attracted me about Nanoform is its ambition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, our vision is to touch the lives of a billion patients globally. Mm. We want our technology to be applied widely. Um, we want it to, you know, be inside every medicine if we could 
Um, but you know, but realistically, we want it to be applied as widely as possible um, and to impact and to improve patients' lives. And the only way that we can do that is by partnering with many, many companies. So, you know, we've started to do that in the last couple of years. Um, and as we grow our commercial organization, uh, we'll continue to partner with more and more companies, major pharma, mid-sized uh, pharma and small biotechs to help um, develop these products um, with them. Great. And, and do you have any concerns about COVID-19 and how that might potentially impact that vision? Uh, yes, I mean, lab work is by its very nature hands-on. Um, so I think it's about, you know, we've we've been very fortunate, I would say, in the fact that our business is located in Finland um, mm -hmm. and they've had a very low infection rate and uh, compared to other countries. Um, and, you know, we have to be smart about the way that we do things. Um, we have to be uh, very safe in everything that we do. Um, but we have to adjust and we have to be flexible. And, um, you know, from a commercial perspective, you know, I haven't traveled very much in the last six months. Um, uh, so, you know, that's something to be concerned about is how do we still continue to build commercial relationships? But fortunately, we have been able to do that and to develop lots of new relationships in that time and, uh, and continue to, to, to build a strong um, a pipeline of product opportunities that we're working on with partners. Um, I think some companies have applied the brakes um, on production during this period. Um, and, but the pharmaceutical development is one of those industries that's critical um, to, to, to continue. Whereas you look at other industries that, that you know have really been affected more so, I think, than the pharma industry uh, by COVID-19. Um, so I think in that case, we're also quite fortunate um, that it's considered a critical industry to to continue and to to still um, get the the levels of funding um, that it needs going forward. Um, you know, we very successfully um, completed an IPO um, in uh, we listed on the Swedish and Finnish. First North Premier Markets for NASDAQ. Um, and that was, you know, right in the middle of the first wave um, of mm -hmm. coronavirus. Um, uh, fantastic experience for me personally to be involved in that to help uh, the business to achieve that goal. Um, but it just shows that, you know, people are investing in healthcare mm -hmm. in, and in technology for pharma. And there's been, an, you know, a real rise in the number of public offerings, I think, recently. Uh, certainly September was a, a sort of stellar month for that um, in the US as well. So I think it's very encouraging that despite the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. people are, are investing in technology uh, and we clearly need it, right? We clearly need new technologies to help us tackle some of these problems. Um, I think the other thing I would say is the use of communication technologies mm -hmm. uh, been vital during this period. Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to adapt um, mm -hmm. and it's very important going forward um, you know for me personally communication is one of the most important things um, for for any business um, whether it's technology related or not you know we have to communicate people buy from people right. and um, you know you have to be able to do that effectively otherwise you can't deliver your message and you can't understand your clients needs and you can't address those uh, appropriately so um, I think communication technology is developing, you know, 
well, the platform that we're on today and as many other platforms that are probably um, have benefited from uh, from this situation um, but it also makes you think you know can we do things more efficiently again back to the efficiency uh, aspect mm -hmm. in the way that we work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have traveled as much but we've been very very um, successful in still generating uh, value for the business and still being successful in doing business so I think you know human nature is that we can adapt and mm -hmm. uh, it's great to see that adaptability uh, still taking place um, in situations like this. Great, and it ties back to what you said earlier about the role that perseverance plays in innovation. So I think that it's nice to you know uh, come full circle. Um, so if we switch gears to a, a macro view, what do you think about some of the changes that we've experienced in the biotech industry in the in the past fifteen years? Uh, are there any loopholes uh, in your opinion? It will be great to, to hear your perspective. I think uh, it's, a lot's changed um, in that time. Um, I think there was a period when the large molecules were starting to be developed and there was a lot of concern about the small molecule pipelines. Are they going to dwindle? Uh, and is this the end of small molecules and moving into big, uh, large, larger compounds? Um, but I think what we've actually seen is um, the large molecule growth um, occurring, the small molecules also um, being developed. They're becoming more complex, I would say, and perhaps there is an increased demand for highly potent um, uh, manufacturing capabilities and handling capabilities because they're becoming more targeted um, and um, effective um, in terms of uh, some of the medicines that are being developed. But there's also a a bridge in between where so these middle-sized molecules shall we say um, some of these peptides and these um, drug conjugates and um, so that's a really interesting space that sort of kind of sits between the small molecules and the large molecules um, but with all this complexity um, it creates challenges um, so it creates challenges for formulation mm -hmm. creates challenges for um, how those compounds will behave in the body you know how long do they last in the bloodstream um, and I think you know nanotechnology is is certainly um, playing a role in supporting some of these types of products to develop and even in the larger uh, molecules as well um, when we think about um, the industry as well I think there's that there's also an increasing opportunity for novel therapies for rare and orphan diseases Mm -hmm. uh, this is an area that's getting a lot of attention as well at the moment um, and um, I think biotech as, as the classic term biotech so the small you know innovative companies that are developing small molecules or large molecules um, there's a there's an increasing importance for them to come up with some of the ideas that will take the industry forward you know large pharma are tending to do less and less drug discovery mm -hmm. um, the shall we say the risk of drug discovery and um, the investment in that space um, I think is being managed to a large degree by the venture capital firms um, who are investing in small startups and placing mm -hmm. on these molecules mm -hmm. and it's the large pharma that perhaps are more willing to, um, uh, to take these molecules when they're past phase two or they've entered into phase two so a lot of that risk has kind of gone away, but they're willing to pay more of a premium uh, for those for those molecules. So I think, you know, if you look at the 
2019 um, IQVIA uh, report, mm -hmm. uh, they said that over half of the FDA approved drugs um, and in 2018 via the Fierce Biotech actually um, originated from emerging biopharma companies. Mm -hmm. And that's quite interesting because, you know, the space was dominated by major pharma, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and I think, you know, we talk about innovation, mm -hmm. innovation comes from lots of places and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the companies that perhaps 20 years ago were the, the innovators, um, they're still very good at what they do. They understand how to take products to market. They understand how to market them very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, they understand the opportunities to develop those products. Um, and they are also highly experienced organizations that can be innovative and can develop products. But a lot of that innovation, I think, is ha happening uh, um, within these smaller entities. Mm -hmm. And some of these startups have come from people from Big Pharma that have left them, you know, that have, as the, the pharma world, shall we say, has, um, has changed dramatically in that time as well. We've had lots of mergers and acquisitions, mm -hmm. but less Big Pharma. Um, so it's, um, it's an ever-evolving landscape, um, and I think it creates lots of opportunities going forward. Um, but the key thing for all of it is we need to be innovative and you know where that innovation comes from whether it's from the small players or the big players um it has to be driven and it has to be commercialized yeah wonderful uh so i think i might know the answer to this question but i'll ask you anyway is there any technology or company that you're currently excited about and why well other than nanoform <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, other than nanoform i, I mean hugely excited about the molecules we're working on with our partners um there's some fascinating projects there um and you know to be a part of that journey with them is 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 very uh, rewarding um but i would say from a technology perspective that artificial intelligence um is you know is a massively growing area now it's receiving a lot of investment um it's it's an area which i think has holds a lot of promise and a lot of hope or again improving efficiency and effectiveness of pharmaceutical development and it's being used right from drug discovery to identify mm -hmm. right molecules through to development to making faster and better um, uh, chemical synthesis uh, formulation development manufacturing solutions to make um, effective drugs and it's being used in clinical trials and it's being used in manufacturing um, and, and potentially in marketing and understanding the market um, for, for products. So it's a, as a technology area, I think it's fascinating how it's being applied to pharmaceutical um, industry. We use AI um, ourselves. Um, we use it to evaluate molecules. So when we work with our partners, you know, we can now do a screening um, uh, uh, project. So we can look at molecules in their database and say, help them to pick the winners. Mm -hmm. These molecules are ideally suited by technology to get the best results to make nanoparticles for your product, to deliver this level of improvement for your product. Um, and that's great because ultimately you're not wasting your partner's time on trying a molecule that's not going to work as effectively as they'd like to. So I think, again, it's about being smart. Mm -hmm. uh, we also use it for uh, in terms of machine learning. Mm -hmm. uh, 
so to constantly improve our process once we've developed a process uh, we're continually learning from um, the process how can we further refine and, um, in, and improve the control and improve the reproducibility of um, the manufacturing uh, of that particular drug so i think ai is um is a really um a really interesting uh, space and something yeah. i'm fascinated by same here from me so our second to last question for today is you know if you think broadly what do you think are some key consideration factors that will be important for sustaining innovation in the life science industry so aside from um the obvious i think multidisciplinary teams mm. um, is something which i think is very important um, within the large farmer organizations as perhaps they used to exist you'd have um, various different um, groups coming together large groups that would talk about development of a product within the smaller um, biotech companies you don't have so many of those groups and sometimes mm -hmm. it's just people so you rely on external partners to help support those molecules um, in an organization like ourselves um, we have um, all the different scientific disciplines so we've got mm -hmm. The backbone of our company, I would say, is physics. Mm. Then that's supported by chemistry, by mm -hmm. biology, um, by formulation science, and now mm -hmm. um, artificial intelligence as well. And actually, when you look at a problem with a group of people from all different disciplines, you come up with some very different solutions than you would if you mm -hmm. just looked at it from, a, for example, a chemistry perspective. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's that's very important for creating new ideas. Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes come out, you know, out of the box um, to, to, to take forward. So I think in terms of fostering innovation, fostering creativity, um, you should always think about what's outside the box and you should try and get external input from different disciplines if possible. The other thing I think that's really important is trust. Mm. Um, if, we, if we think about um, taking innovations forward, we need to commercialize them. Mm. We need to trust the partners that we're working with that they can deliver on what they say they're going to deliver. Um, and so that human connection, I think, is, is ultimately very important as well. Yeah, very well said. Um, again, if I put together all the phrases you've used today, I, I appreciate perseverance. And, and now the, the trust factor is integral for sort of sustaining that innovation. So the final question is very simple. The floor is yours. Do you have any commentary or thoughts that you'd like to share as we close? Uh, just to thank you um, for this for this uh, this interview and for the opportunity to come on to your podcast. You know, I'm hugely excited, and as Nanoform as a group, I speak for all of us. We're hugely excited about the possibilities and um, the potential uh, to provide hope for patients through the application of of science and technology. And there are so many innovations being developed globally um, that I think it's a very exciting time. Um, to be involved in pharmaceutical um, science and, and the pharmaceutical industry. And thanks once again, Sophia, for this opportunity. It's been great, great to talk to you. It's my pleasure. My final words are very simple. Small is powerful. So thank you for your time today, and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of the Amplifying Scientific Innovation podcast is sponsored by Nanoform. Small is powerful.